Good morning, church. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, again, it is a uh, good, uh, it is an honor, um, certainly, to stand before you and uh, deliver a message from God's Word uh, this morning. Um, I want to uh, talk about uh, about Jesus, our friend. Yeah, if you wanted to uh, put that as a title, that that would be the title. Is, is Jesus. Um, our friend. Um, the reason why it's phrased that way is it's a proclamation um, that uh, Jesus is our friend. He's not just my friend, but he's our friend. Um, our also implies that uh, he is, he belongs, or his friendship is under the ownership of us and not everybody. Um, Jesus is truly a friend to each and every one of us. And when I think about a friend, um, I think about, you know, what Jesus himself said, that, you know, a friend is someone who looks out for your best interests. Um, Jesus says that you are my friend as, um, as long as you, if you do whatever it is I've commanded you to do. Uh, Jesus also says that, uh, no, a great, no, Greater love can a man show than this than to lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus is the example of friendship. Amen. Um, everything he did was not uh, for his interest, but for the interest of those who believed in him. Um, I say that to, to, uh, to say this, that from time to time we can lose sight of the fact that Jesus is our friend. And Jesus just isn't necessarily isn't just our friend. He is also our Lord and Savior. Amen. He is not just our friend. He is not just our Lord and Savior. But he is also our big brother. You know, everything, um, regardless of your age, regardless of how long you've been um, a member of the body of Christ, Jesus is your big brother. Amen. And, you know, we can, and if you haven't had a big brother, you know, we can all appreciate and understand. I'm the oldest of three, um, but we all understand what it's like to have a an older sibling, if you will. Um, you know, who's been there, done that. You know, can and say, ah, you know what? That's you shouldn't do that because I did that last year and it didn't turn out well for me. Or this person is trying to swindle you because they swindled me before. Or you know what? I've had moments of weakness in my life. Uh, where I struggled um, and yet was over, yet was able to overcome. Let, let me help you with what you're going through. Um, we know that Jesus lived a life without sin, as the, the scripture says in the book of Hebrews, and and neither was a guile found in his mouth. It's not as if Jesus was born with the ability to not sin. Okay, everybody's looking at me in, in agreement, hopefully. Um, the reason being is because Jesus was born in the flesh just as we're born in the flesh. Um, he grew up with a flesh just as we grew up with a flesh. Uh, what made Jesus special was not that he had supernatural powers, even though he did. He didn't use them, though, and we'll talk about that uh, here in a little bit. But that's not what made him special. What made him special was the fact that in spite of all the things that make us 
imperfect or that would cause us to be imperfect in the eyes of God. Jesus overcame every single one of them. He made the choice. He dedicated himself to the service of his Father. Does that require supernatural ability? No, it just requires love. It requires commitment. It requires sacrifice. <coughs> All of those three things that I mentioned are certainly within our wheelhouse uh, today. We do have the ability to love. We do have the ability to commit. We do have the ability to sacrifice. Even to the level of which Jesus loved, was committed, and sacrificed. We could do that. In that aspect, there is no difference between Jesus and each and every one of us here in this room. If you have your Bibles, turn to uh, the book of Genesis. And um, Genesis chapter 39 is, is where... want to start reading and, and we know the uh, the story of Joseph and if you don't I'll recap uh, Joseph was the youngest of Jacob's sons now Jacob um, had a bunch of other sons right um, he had uh, he had 12 sons well and, and all of Jacob's sons would be the 12 tribes of Israel, because uh, Jacob later was renamed Israel after uh, he uh, fought the uh, he fought that angel, right? Um, but <clears throat> okay, so he had twelve sons, the youngest of which was Joseph. He had an affinity to Joseph. Joseph was, um, uh, you know, a, a, a good man. He was thoughtful. Um, he listened to the words of his father, um, and because he had a preference or affinity for Joseph, he gave Joseph a coat of many colors. The twelve other sons of, Joseph, of Jacob did not take kindly to that. Obviously, they said, well, um, you know, Joseph is having these dreams where, you know, that, uh, you know, as it said, his stock would... All of our stock would give obeisance to his stock, and he's wearing this coat of many colors, and, you know, it's just not, it's just rubbing us the wrong way. And so they, they were so overwhelmed um, with, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, envy. Um with envy, with anger, with frustration, that they developed a scheme to get him out of it, to get him out of the family. And their, their plan kind of backfired um, in that the slaves that purchased Joseph wound up taking him to Egypt. And as it says in verse 1 of uh, Genesis chapter 39, it says, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. So he went to a, a slave auction, and uh, Potiphar bought him. Interesting thing is that in verse number 2 it says, And the Lord was with Joseph, 
and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And I, I, that is a, a beautiful thing to read. Joseph and the Lord had a friendship. Now, when we, when we, in the Old Testament scripture, when we, when we see the word Lord, who are we talking about? Are we talking about Jehovah God, or are we talking about Jesus the Christ? Well, in this context, we're talking about Jehovah. We're talking about Amen. God the Father. Amen. And God the Father had a, the Lord, if you will, had a special relation, had an affinity to Joseph. And everything that Joseph touched, it turned into gold. He had the, what, you know, one might consider the Midas touch. And Potiphar prospered as a result. He goes on to say in verse number 4, And Joseph found grace in his sight, and, and he served him, and he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had, he put into his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he had made overseer in his house, over all they had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hands, and he knew not, he, he knew not, excuse me, and he knew not aught he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. But that was a problem, wasn't it? Yeah. There was a problem there. Here's the problem. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph. And she said, lie with me. Let's have an affair. Let's have an encounter. God has blessed you. You are doing very well. And you know what? That's exciting to me. In verse 8 it says, But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wanteth not what is with me in this house. And he hath committed all that he hath into my hand. There is none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness? And interestingly enough, he says, sin against God. He didn't say, how can I do this great evil and sin against Potiphar? No, he said, how can I do this great evil and sin against my friend, this individual that I have a close relationship, the Lord God? I can't do it. And it came to pass, as she spake to Joseph day by day, she kept bugging him, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men of the house there within. Uh-oh. She is not backing down. 
And it says, she caught him by his garment, saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. And it came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled for her, she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath, he hath brought in a Hebrew unto us to mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice, and it came to pass when he heard that I had lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. And she laid his garment by her until his Lord came home, and she spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in unto me to mock me. And it came to pass, as I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled out. And it came to pass, when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. Now what she's saying is, is she's saying that this man that you brought in, thought he would be so big and bad that he would bear his skin in my presence. And when I cried out, he took off, except he left his clothes with him. And Potiphar was like, how dare he do this to me? I thought we were friends. I thought I could trust him. But apparently, I can't. It goes on to say that uh, Joseph and Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor even when he was in prison in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison, and whatsoever they did, he was the doer of it. And the keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him. And that, he, and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. You guys kind of understand this story here, that Joseph had a friendship with God. It didn't matter what happened to Joseph. God was always going to be there to help out his friend, to bless his friend. Even in prison, it says the Lord blessed him with prosperity. And others could see that. So much so that even the keeper of the prison said, here's the keys to the jail. I don't even want to know what's going on. You, you, you just... Take care of it because I know you're a special guy because the Lord is with you. I, I think that's a great example of the type of relationship we ought to, the type of friendship we ought to have with Jesus the Lord. If you have our Bibles, turn to uh, John the 10th chapter and we'll talk about how that works. Um, before we read that, let's, uh, 
Let's look at John chapter 8 first, before we, before we get into uh, John chapter 10. And what I'd, like to, what I'd like to focus on here is what it says in, uh, starting at verse number 14 in John chapter 8. At verse 13, rather, because we've got to get the question. In uh, John chapter 8 and verse 13, it says, The Pharaohs therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself, that record is not true. Um, Jesus answered and said, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true, for I know whence I came and whither I go. But ye cannot tell whence I come and whither I go. Ye judge after the flesh, I judge no man. Yet if I judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I and the Father that sent me. Uh, verse number 18 says, I am one that bear witness of myself, and the Father that sent me beareth witness of me. The idea being here is that Jesus and the Father are one. And Jesus bears witness of the Father, and the Father bears witness of Jesus. Their testimony is true. Meaning they cannot lie, they, there is no falsehood to be seen. What they say is what they say. What they will do is what they will do. In John chapter 10, starting at verse number 7, um, again, Jesus speaking this parable, uh, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep do not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. What Jesus is saying here is that Jesus is the avenue through which we get blessings. The avenue through which we are fed. The avenue through which um, we are able to survive this life that we live in. If you look back at what uh, happened to uh, Joseph. God was the door for Joseph. If you go back and you read about Joseph's story, what happened? A couple of Pharaoh's servants got thrown into jail because they could not interpret Pharaoh's dream. But God did what? God gave them, gave Joseph the ability to interpret that dream. So what did, what did Joseph do? Joseph told the interpretation of one of Pharaoh's servants with the expectation that once that servant found favor with Pharaoh that he was going to release Joseph from prison. What happened? Joseph didn't get released from prison. But God did what? Again, Pharaoh had another set of dreams. And the servant was like, oh, I remember a guy when I was in jail. Joseph, let me bring him out and have him translate Pharaoh's dream. All of these things come with, start off with, but God. In those moments where the sheep are in need of nourishment, and in moments where the sheep are in need of protection, but God, and in this case, but Jesus, gives them an avenue through which 
to find comfort, to find refuge, to find the things that they need. He goes on to say here in John chapter 10, in verse number 10, it says, The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and destroy. I am come that they might have life, and they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd, shepherd giveth life for his sheep. So, again, if... if <clears throat> And, and I'll just read one more verse um, as we go along here. At verse 14, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. Mm -hmm. So, as, a as I was referring to with the title of the lesson this morning, Jesus, our friend. In order to be a part of the but, you know, in order to be in a relationship with the Lord God, or with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You need to be a part of his sheephold. You need to be his. You need to be one of his sheep. And we know how to do that. You have to hear the word of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have to believe it. Um, and that belief has to prompt you to repent. That repentance leads to a proclamation of faith. And that proclamation of faith will inevitably lead to a burial in his death and baptism. And... You'll get the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is a token that you are a part of the family and live faithfully until death in order to obtain a crown of life. Those are the things, the steps, the measures that have to be taken by an individual in order to make the statement, Jesus, our friend. If you were a superhero and you had all power, how difficult would it be to not exercise that power in moments of stress, moments of danger? Think about it for a second. If I had the ability to read minds, if I had the ability to shoot laser beams out of my, out of my eyeballs, if I had the ability uh, of great strength, if I could make money appear in an instant, you know, if those were my abilities, how difficult would it be to not read someone's mind when I'm feeling like they're deceiving me? How difficult would it, would it be for me not to destroy all workers of iniquity and unrighteousness at a moment's notice when I see it? How difficult would it be for me to not fight against all of all of the um, armies of the unrighteous by myself and spare the soldiers' lives. How difficult would it be for me when moments when my pocketbook is a little light for me not to say, boom, make a million dollars appear. It would be extremely difficult. It would be extremely difficult in moments where I am tempted, right? If I had the, the ability to, to make my wife forget about all the bad things I've done in the past, <laughs> like, okay, gone. If I had Jedi mind tricks, right? Or if I could secretly have live another life over here without anybody else knowing it. If I had all power on earth and in heaven, how difficult would it be not to use that to appease my flesh? 
That's the story of Jesus Christ. If you go to our scripture reading this morning, again, talking about a friend, um, and you know what that what it means to be a friend and, and providing guidance and encouragement. In Hebrews chapter four, verse fourteen, Thomas, uh, excuse me, brother Thomas, can you read that again, please? Starting at verse fourteen. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast the profession. We have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. But was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Okay, so, and, I, and we're not going to go back and, and read it in great detail, but if you were to go back to uh, in the early parts of the book of, of, the book of Matthew, and um, we can we can go back and it, for those of you who are taking notes, rather this would be in uh, Matthew chapter three, chapter four, where he was tempted um, in the wilderness. You know, I used to think that my specific temptation to sin, Jesus has experienced, but that's not really the case. Um, Jesus was tempted in all the ways that we are tempted. He wasn't tempted with the exact same thing I'm tempted with. Was Jesus ever tempted to um, do drugs? No, at least not from what I can tell in the scripture. But the avenue through which one is tempted to do drugs is common to the temptations that Jesus experienced um, in his lifetime. You know, did he have issues with, with uh, spending money freely? I, based on what I can read in the scripture, I don't find evidence of that. But, he was tempted in all the ways that we are tempted. You know, as, uh, as it states in 1 John, that, you know, all the things that are in the world are the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. He was tempted... In all of the ways that we are tempted. Not specifically the same temptation. So how is it that Jesus is our perfect mediator? How is it that the Hebrew writer can say. That we don't have a high priest or a friend that is so high up in the skies. That he is not able to be a friend to us. Or to help us in our time of need. How is that the case? I want you to think about who Jesus is and the power that he wielded in his hand. Um, again, think of Jesus as having <clears throat> all power. And when he was being persecuted, he could have called, and we, we sing the song, he could have called 10,000 angels at a moment's notice, and decimated all of Israel just like that. He had the ability to do this. There's a reason why those temptations were so impactful on Jesus that in the book of Matthew, that after he, after he overcame those temptations, it required the angels to minister under him. It wasn't about the fact that he had 
feet that he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness, it was the fact that those moments where Satan took him up to the highest, uh, to the, the highest pinnacle, those moments where Satan said, hey, look, if there's rocks, you have the ability to determine the bread, why don't you do that? Nobody's going to look at your cross for doing that. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't too, it, it was difficult for Jesus when he was taken, when he saw all the lights and the glamour of the city, and Satan said, all of it can be yours if you'll just bow down and worship me. How do I know it was difficult? How, how do I know it was challenging? Because Jesus was a superhero. He had all power existing in his hands. He could have done all that plus some. Because he had the ability to do it. But he did not do it. Because what? Because he had a father he needed to serve. There was a dedication and a commitment. There was a relationship between him and his father that he was not willing to break under any circumstance. If you have our Bibles, turn to uh, James, the fourth chapter, please. In uh, James, the fourth chapter, starting verse number one, um, <clears throat> it says, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill, and desire to have, and cannot obtain. Ye fight in war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask and miss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is in enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. What does it mean to be a friend of the world? Well, if we take all the principles of friendship, we can understand what it means to be a friend of the world. A friend of the world means that you love the world, that you're dedicated to the world, and that, or committed to the world, rather, and you are willing to sacrifice for the world. Based on how Jesus describes friendship, that's what it means to be a friendship to the world. The scripture here says that people who are in friendship with the world are an enemy of God. It goes on to say in verse number 7, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Oh wow, now you may not get the tie in you. Now let's go to Matthew chapter 4. Joseph, you know what he said to Potiphar's wife? I don't know if you recall us reading this. But he said, woman, okay, maybe he didn't say it like that. Maybe that's just Tom's girl. 
Okay, let's say he did. He said, my lady, there was nobody in this house greater than this guy. That's what he said. He said, there was no person mightier in this house than I. Not because I'm mightier than Potiphar, but because Potiphar has bestowed those abilities and that power onto me. There's nobody more powerful than this guy. And you know what? Because I'm powerful, because I have all power over everything in this house, I could have you. If I wanted to, I certainly could. But I'm not going to exercise that power because Potiphar hasn't given you to me. He could have done it. He could have commanded every person in this house, listen, I'm going to have Potiphar's wife. Y'all better not say a thing. Are you going to be answering to me? But he didn't do it. Why? Why didn't he do it? Because he had a relationship with God, and God had a relationship with him. He remained committed. He remained uh, steadfast. He was willing to sacrifice everything. Because he said, why would I do this evil thing and sin against God? Not Potiphar, but against God. So in Matthew chapter 4, you know, we, we see Jesus tempted. And... Uh, <clears throat> In verse number 3 of Matthew chapter 4, my apologies. Verse number 3 of Matthew chapter 4. It says, When the tempter came to him, and he said, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones be made bread. But Jesus answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him uh, on a pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, Okay, if you're going to use God's word, I'm going to use God's word too. If thou be the Son of God, and this is Satan saying to Jesus, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, Again, he's using God's word, trying to, okay, if you're going to, if you're going to go that way, I'll go that way too. If he shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. And Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil taketh him up to an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them, and said unto him, all these things I will give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said, said unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt not worship, excuse me, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, the angels came and ministered unto him. That's the time. You know, Jesus, our friend, means a lot more than just what we, you know, than just that statement of, he's a friend. Yes, yes. You know, Jesus 
is a friend, but he's so much more than that. He is our confidant. He is our mediator. He is our, um, our counselor. He is our shepherd. He is a guy, our big brother, if you will. If you want to look in those terms, that we can go to and say, Jesus, I know you've been there, done that. Help me overcome because I know you've done this before. And that is the impetus of what Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16 reads. Let us come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Who did Joseph turn to? And all those moments where he was just, he just had bad luck. You know, things just didn't work out the way his fat is. His brother sold him out. The Ishmaelites sold him out. Potiphar's wife sold him out. Pharaoh's servants sold him out. Inevitably, Pharaoh's family himself sold him out. But there's one person who never sold Joseph out. Amen. God. Because God was his friend. And there's somebody that will never sell us out. He will always be there. He is the gate, as we just read in, in the book of John, chapter 10, through which his sheep, his sheep can come in and out. They can feed when they need to feed. They can go out and use the restroom when they need to use the restroom. Whatever it is the sheep need, Jesus is that door. And that door will always be open and available to his friends. If you have your Bibles, and uh, Brother Garner, or Thomas, I want you to read this here. <clears throat> if you have your Bibles, if you have a Bible, please turn over um, to uh, doo -doo -doo. Luke chapter 11. said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go to him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his, for a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise up and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needed. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and that gate will be opened unto you. For every one of you that asketh, receiveth, and he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. 
If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a serpent, or excuse me, a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Jesus, our friend. Amen. If you need help, go to Jesus. Amen. If you need advice, go to Jesus. If you need counseling, go to Jesus. You are never alone because Jesus is always there. What does he say? All you got to do is ask. It'll be given. Knock. And the door will be open. But you got to be a sheep. He doesn't open the door just for any old animal. He only opens the door for his sheep. Amen. How, do you, how can he be a part of his sheep? How can he be a part of his family and friends? Again, you have to hear, you have to believe, you have to repent, you have to confess, and you have to be baptized. Is it possible to... Is... Is, a, is it possible for a Christian to live a life without friends? It's impossible. As long as you are living as a faithful Christian, Jesus will always be there. He is your friend. Amen. He calls his friends those who do the will of his Father. Now, that goes, that's, a, that's another lesson, right? If somebody is not doing the will of your father, can you really consider them a friend? I mean, does, can uh, worshipers of Satan be friends with Jesus? Absolutely not. Light hath no fellowship with darkness. And so I would say that the same is true for us. That our friends should only be those individuals that are friends of Jesus Christ. Because if they're not friends of Jesus Christ, then Jesus is not their friend. Which means if I consider them my friend, then I'm not also not Jesus' friend. See how that kind of circular logic works there? But, the, uh, but that's just as an aside. The, the real intent of this lesson was just to reinforce that we do have a friend. And he is always there. We All we have to do is seek and ask and knock. And he will always be there to give us grace. To give us mercy. As it says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16. In our time of need. Amen. So if you're here this morning and you have need. There's you know some struggles that are going on. Maybe you're like Joseph. You know what? I know Joseph is going to be up in heaven. Um, and I hope I get an opportunity to, to meet Joseph. Talk about, talk about one guy who was lonely. He was lonely. It, okay, you guys not, may not grasp. Joseph, Joseph never, walked, uh, never, never got married. 
He never had children. Right. He did have children? He was married to one of those um, siblings, one of the descendants, and then he had two children. Joseph? Okay. Well, thank, thank you. That's right. He did. He did. But he, he left his family. Yes. Right? He was the only guy. He was in prison. He was only, people only kept him around because, well, because of what he could do. Did you hear him complain in the scripture? Did you ever once hear of him, you know, oh, woe is me, and I have no friends. He always had a friend, and he knew who exactly who his friend was. You know that God was always going to be there for you. If, if you've been moaning and groaning about this, that, and the other, and I'm not, I'm not throwing shade, I'm not making light of, what I'm saying is, is that Jesus is your friend. Amen. You just got to seek him out. And you'll find him right around the corner. So if you are here again and you need prayers of strength, um, if there's something in your life that is... Uh, kept you from serving God and being a true friend to Him, uh, you can make that right this morning. Um, we all know the message of the plan of salvation, of hearing the gospel, believing the oneness of faith, the oneness of hope, the oneness of baptism, the oneness of body, the body of Christ. Um, believing that, repenting, as it says in Luke chapter 13 and verse 3, where Jesus said, I tell you, nay, except you repent, you shall all life must perish. And you confess with the mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, where Jesus said, Him will confess me before man, him will I also confess before my Father, which is in heaven. And one must be baptized, as it states in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, uh, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, in order to obtain the gift of the Holy Ghost, and live faithfully until death, in order to obtain a crown of life, as it states in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10. So the lesson is yours this morning. If you have urge you need to do so, please come forward as we stand and sing. All things.